0: Hi swimmers and swimmers, I'm Garrett McCaffrey, and joining us today on the Swim Swam Podcast, he's the newly named head coach at the University of Hawaii. He's Mike Stevens, and this is the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm a Thank you so much for making the time. It's good to see you. Hey, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, a lot of big news in your world. Um, just named the new coach at, at Hawaii. What made that position and that job the right place for you?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think I learned a lot throughout the process that really drew me in. I think every stage kind of in the interview process, I, I learned more and more. And I had an opportunity to not only be interviewed, but to ask a lot of questions and, and hear a lot more about the, the department, the staff, uh, you know, the state of Hawaii, it really, I think drew me in and excited me more and more throughout the process. And, um, I think first and foremost, there's a lot of things with the values of, of, of the Hawaiian culture that I think really align with me as a person and as a coach and, um, like some of these ideas of, you know, care of the person, doing things with heart, humility, um, and, and, and kind of leading and serving right and, and and that's something that is important to me and um and then in some ways like I, I really believe this can be one of the best jobs in the country in terms of coaching and swimming right and and you know that that might sound a little out there but uh if you understand the rich history of swimming and surfing and water sports in Hawaii it's really really embedded in their culture right and, and so it makes it uh really important to, to, to not only the athletic firm, but the, the whole state. And I think that's something that not all of us get in the sport of swimming. And I think it's something that really excited me. Um, and then I think finally, and, and really important to me, I think there's so much potential, right? I think the program historically has done well and had some really, really good years throughout different points of history. Um, even recently, I mean, they've had a lot of success on the conference level and um, a few years ago on the national level. Um, but I just think there's so much potential to really, really grow it. and and build on what we've, what they've done and, and keep kind of getting it to that higher and higher level. And, and that's something I'm excited to,
0: to start working on right away. Yeah. I mean, if you're right, and this is a program with potential to be one of the best programs all around in, in the country, what makes you the right person for it? I mean, you're one of the youngest coaches out there. Um, definitely had some success, which we'll get to at Boston college, which um, I'm extremely impressed with. I want to go through those statistics at a later point, but, I guess the the question is, what makes you the right coach for this position?
1: Yeah, I, I think um, a, a couple of things that I think I connected well with with you know the the department there, and that was you know this idea of servant leadership, right? I, I really view you know our job as coaches, it's not us making the swimmer fast, right? It's us guiding them to be the best they can be, and that's not just in their swimming, but but out of the water, and, and not that the athlete's always right, but that we're there to really try to elevate their experience in any way we can, right? And, and they have to be accountable and they have to do the work, but um, we're really serving and leading. And I think that's something that's been important to me, being very student athlete centered. Um, and I think that's something that they really looked for in their, in their recruiting process. Um, and, and, then, and then I think another piece, there are challenges at, at BC and there are challenges at Hawaii, right? And, and they are different challenges, but I think I've learned a lot in the early part of my career how to do, you know, more with less. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that at Hawaii we're going to have more than we, we did at BC, but, um, I think making the most of those resources is something that, you know, I've learned how to do really well over my last five years at, at BC as head coach. And, um, and then, yeah, just an enthusiasm for, for what we get to do. Right? I think the sport of swimming is such a special sport. I think getting to coach it every day is, is an honor and a joy. And so, uh, I bring a lot of enthusiasm and energy to that. And, and I think, um, you know, I want to share that with the athletes, and I want them to you know feed off of that and, and give it back, right? And so I think that enthusiasm, that passion, I I, I hope came through in, in the process, and I think that's part of the reason why uh, I ended up kind of moving forward with
0: the process. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about how that kind of energy um, and servant leadership equates to being a good motivator? Because you know, servant leadership, um, you know, you're willing to do things that you're asking them to do, and obviously, you're not going to get in and do a 400 IM set, although, you know, I'm sure you could do to a certain extent. It's to, but um, how does that equate to motivation for the athletes as a coach?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I think um, when, when we're talking about to our athletes, I think when you're talking about motivation and inspiration, we were always trying to, to get our student-athletes at BC to think more, right, and think that they could do more and achieve more than maybe they ever thought when they first got there. Um, and trying to like, that all starts with one trust, but two belief. Right. And I think, you know, like that kind of came out of that servant leadership and that care of the person and teaching them to have that same care for their own, their own swimming. Right. And, and so for us, I mean, I think at BC very, very early on, I think we, we understood that we really had to develop athletes and, and people. Right. And so when, when we were shifting the culture, we understood that like, these are the athletes we have, let's make them as good as we possibly can. Right but that's not just training and and motivating. That's like getting them to believe in themselves and really believe that maybe they can achieve more than anyone else thought they could before that. Right. And, and then through that process, and I think this is where the servant leadership comes in, they start to care more about their swimming maybe than they ever thought they could. Um, and I think all of those things work together to allow them to really kind of build something bigger. Right. And so when you, when you have that care and you have that commitment, that trickles out to your teammates and you're swimming for more than yourself. And I think it creates this really, really powerful momentum, um, that I think can inspire and lead to some really great success. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. And I think it paints a pretty good picture of your coaching style and and your approach. Um, Just to dig at that a little bit deeper, let's play a game where if one of the soon to be swimmers at Hawaii, that will be your swimmers calls one of your, just uh, one of your Boston college swimmers and asks, you know, what's Mike like, what do you think they would say Um, and how would they describe you uh, as a coach?
1: Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think they would tell you I'm passionate. Um, you know, not, not that I'm, uh, not that every day is the best day, but I, I will walk on the pull deck and I'll be excited about what we're doing. And sometimes that le- lends to goofiness. Sometimes that leads to, you know, being the biggest cheerleader, but I think most people at BC would tell you I'm, I'm really, really passionate. Um, and I think, you know, one thing I pride myself on is I, I've always tried to be really hardworking. Right. And I think at BC that was, you know. Necessary in that role with you know short staff and things like that, this really changed the culture. We we had to be really, really hard working with a small group that we had, and um, and I think that that fed off to the athletes, right? And I think, um, I think they would tell them that we write some pretty tough workouts and we challenge them and we 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 push them really hard, but at the end of the day, we really care about them as people, and our doors are always open for our athletes when they need to talk or go through any issues or anything like that. So, I think those are some of the things, at least that, that's uh, what
0: I hope they would say, yeah. Yeah. So a new change, a fresh start is also an opportunity to kind of look at yourself and, and, you know, like a kid coming to college, they can be whoever they want. Um, is there anything, obviously you don't want to stray too far because it sounds like your coaching approach A is working and B is pretty awesome for the current generation, but are there any things, um, that you look at this opportunity and say, Hey, I'd like to change this now. This is a great opportunity for a fresh start in this area or trying to do this better. Are there any changes that you look at making during this transition? I think there
1: certainly are. I I think, um, but I think I'm going to know more about what those are as I learn more, right? If that makes sense. So I think, um, one of the things I'm really doing now, cause I've got to ask the question a lot about like vision and what I'm hoping we achieve and, and all that. And it's hard to give a direct answer. Like I have ideas of what I think the program can achieve and goals, but I think a big part of defining the things that I'm going to do differently and the things that I hope the team can achieve is I really am trying to learn. So like right now I'm in a phase where I'm just trying to gather information and I'm trying to meet with all the student athletes. And so, you know, we have over 50 athletes on the team and I'm trying to, get in front of on a call or a zoom with everybody so that we can start to, uh, you know, build that trust, right. They can get to know me. I can get to know them. And then I can also hear about their experiences. And because I think that that history and that past individually and as a team needs to inform the vision and what we're trying to do. Right. And so, um, there are going to be things that I'm going to have to change. I know that for sure. And, and it just, in addition to just the adjustment of, you know, moving to a completely different place and a different type of environment and community. But, um, I think I'm still learning exactly what that's going to be. Um, so uh, might be a non-answer, but that's kind of, uh, it's hard to answer that right
0: now. I, I think it's probably the most honest answer because anybody who comes in thinking that their plan is just going to work in a brand new place where they don't understand all the dynamics is a little bit naive in my mind. So I think that that's the right attitude going into it, even if it isn't necessarily a concrete answer. Do you have any ideas of how you want to do training? Or, or I guess a better question is, um how you would like to set up training groups yeah so
1: uh i have like started to think about that and obviously we're you know first and foremost is, is getting into the athletes first but um i think you know i have a lot of experience doing different things at bc and i think a big part of that is we had every year we kind of had different staff with volunteers helping out and people uh involved and so we tried to build like the way we trained around who we had right and who what our skill set was and so that meant some years, you know, we had one coach running a short sprint group and maybe I was running everything else. And then we had one year we had a really defined sprint, mid-distance, and distance group. Um, and then this past year, you know, we were running, you know, different event focuses every single day where we might have three, four, five different training groups. And, you know, we were trying to line it up so that, you know, when the you know, two flyers had their big workout, you know, maybe the you know the 50 freestyle for doing something a little bit different that didn't need as much attention and so you could give love to everybody kind of throughout the week and so and i liked that a lot but at, but at the end of the day i think training design and, and the style of groups and everything is going to really rely on you know what the staff makeup is and we're still thinking about those types of things and so um when we figure that out i think we build it, that around kind of our personnel if that makes sense
0: yeah so i think it's, it'll probably be a similar answer but when it comes to setting a culture um are there any ideas that you have of how you can kind of set up some you know basic values that that you want and that you want to kind of um or you want the team to kind of set for themselves or as a team kind of set are there any approaches to culture that you feel like maybe some uh, specific meeting focuses or some um you know something where you guys can kind of come together to to start to create that culture all together
1: yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think there are certain things that are really important to me that I've developed, you know, throughout my career and just like in my life. And I want to bring those things and, but I, I think we're going to add on to them. Right. So, um, and kind of like I was talking about like the values of why, and I think they, they align with some of these things. So I talk a lot about like heart, right. And so the heart for me kind of means two different things. It means like a passion and a love for the sport of swimming. Right. Um, which I think you have to have to do it at this level and do it well. Right. Because it's so hard and, and, you know, you, not every day is going to be easy, but you got to wake up and really enjoy what you're doing. Um, but that heart also bleeds into care, right? And care about your own swimming, but care about your teammates, right? And I think when you're invested and in you're caring about what they're doing, right, it holds you more accountable, and you're gonna you're gonna elevate to a certain level because you're worried about how your impact affects other people. Um, and then grit, right? And I know you know we all talk about this, but you have to have that in the sport of swimming, right? I think. So we're we're looking for those people that you know maybe they've failed right and they they've had they've had struggles, but they're willing to get up the next day, keep following along with the process, so that you know six months later when that next opportunity comes, they can have that breakthrough. I think that's one of the the traits and the, the things in our sport that makes it so special and so challenging, right? So getting people that really care about that, um, and then kind of that energy and enthusiasm, right? I think you know, you've you've seen it a lot in the sport of swimming, and I think a lot of the coaches that have had success now in the, in the NCA, like at least recently, you know, they bring enthusiasm and passion. Right. And I think, uh, I really view this as an, like such a great job that we get to do and, and, you know, not that it's easy and there's challenges and everyone has different struggles and is going through different things, but we got to be excited about what we're doing and we got to wake up every day. If it's 6am, 6 6.30, 7am, whatever time morning practice, we got to be enthusiastic. Right. And so I think I want to bring those things as like pretty core tenants, but I want to hear from them and I want to, kind of form some more of those things together in terms of what we want to stand for.
0: Just so I got that right, heart, grit, and, and passion and energy, right? Like those are the, the main staples that you want to bring and you feel like if they can embrace that in their own way, that that's how you kind of start the foundation of a culture.
1: Yeah, that's something that like has kind of evolved as some of my like cultural like coaching philosophy things that I've really have been important to me over the last several years.
0: Cool. I like it. Let's talk a little bit about your, your last several years of coaching and, and let's even go back before that because um, before you got into coaching, you spent a year as a financial analyst. Is that doing the timeline right? So after you finished up with your eligibility at Boston College where you were a swimmer for all four years and captain your senior year and uh, school record holder, at least in one of the relays, um, you, you took a year and you tried to go into the real world as a financial analyst, right? I did, yeah. How'd that go and what brought you back to the pool?
1: Yeah, so it was good. I mean, I, I learned a lot. Um, I worked in corporate finance for like an aerospace and defense company um, and did fine. I, I think it was a good career, but I like I found myself walking to work every day and be like, man, like this just, I can't see myself doing this for 40 years. You know what I mean? I, I don't see myself being excited enough about this to want to do it every day and try to be really good at it, right? And so um, And I called my dad like the the day I was graduating from BC and was like, Hey, I think like, I want to be a swim coach. And he was like, Oh, that's great. You got a lot of student debt. So you gotta like, let's, let's figure that out first. Right. Um, and I had a, you know, a good paying job in finance and, um, but then I got a really unique opportunity. I I mean, I was, um, you know, I, I think I was, I was a captain and I think I helped change some of the culture of the team when I was there as a student. And so I got a call from, from Tom when he was looking for a new assistant coach and, It's about a year after I graduated and I thought it was going to be a hard decision. And then I was like, you know what? Like I'm never going to regret taking this opportunity to to try to do something I love. Um, and even when I first started, it was, all right, I'm going to get my MBA while I do it. And then maybe I'll go back out into the business world and and do something different. But six months into coaching, I was like, this is the best job in the world. Right. And I was like, if I can make a career out of this, this is what I want to do. Um, and I remember telling people that and like, Oh, I had no idea when I got the head coaching job like a couple of years before that that's what I'd be doing. And so many of my friends and family were like, we saw that coming for so many years. Like you were the person at summer league swim meets like writing down splits, like worrying about like what the relay combinations were. And I just, I cared a lot about it and I loved it. Right. And I think, uh, so it really has been like kind of like a passion project in a lot of ways for me. And, um, I think I work longer
0: hours than I did in finance, but I like it. sure as heck doesn't feel like it. Yeah. It's a great answer and I totally get it as somebody who kind of went into the journalism side of things and then got a taste of, of the on-deck coaching piece. It, it does get you. It gets you quickly and the fulfillment of the job is pretty tough to duplicate anywhere else if this is where you were meant to be and that sounds like it was. And I think a lot of your results kind of back that up even though you, you had a few years as the assistant and then kind of got thrust into a unique situation where you became first the interim coach mid-season and then the head coach. Uh, of a program at the age of 26, which according to Braden and swim, Swam, um, made you, they think the youngest head coach in division division one, um, possibly in division one history. But in that time from 2016 through 2022, this season, Boston college set 170 school records. And I, I mean, there, you guys also sent people to Olympic trials and had your first ACC finalists, which are big deals. Um, if you're not thinking at like University of Virginia levels right now, but I mean, it's coming from another small school myself. I just have so much respect for that kind of statistic. 170 school records is a big deal. What did you know as a young coach um, that w- that allowed you guys to be so successful and put together a string of probably the best teams in BC history.
1: What did I know? <laughs> I I think I think I just saw potential. I, I really do. I mean, I, like, and, I, and I I saw it as an athlete. I remember coming in, and, and I like my got kind of got into swimming a little bit later, at least like the the more serious side of swimming a little bit late. So like I I was never burnt out, and I and I got into college, and I was like this can be better, it can be better. Like, let's, let's try to make it better, like, Yes, we don't have the resources, but let's, let's get a group, right? And then it can spread, and you know, maybe it's two people at first, and then it's five, and then it's seven, right? And, and so, I saw the team get better during my time as an athlete, and then I came as an assistant, I saw it get a little bit better, and I was like, I really feel like if I can put into some, some of these things and change a little bit of the culture, change the way we train, and just elevate it to a little bit more of, you know, what the elite programs are doing, and creating like a buy-in around this idea of like, Hey, let's build something bigger than us. Right. And you know, most college student athletes if they're, if they feel empowered right to, about something like that, they're going to be motivated and excited about it. And so, um, I think it was like really just saw the potential in what BC could be despite the challenges. And, um, part of that, I think was like, I was so passionate about swimming and I, I had a great experience at the school that I knew I could sell that. Um, and then I think early on, I just, we really like it was me and an assistant coach, Dan Kelly, and he was an alumni. And we really just tried to, all right, these are the people we have in front of us. Like let's try to get buy-in from them on what we want to do. Let's try to make them as fast as we possibly can have a great experience. And then just slowly, but surely, like let's continue to recruit more and more people that want that and want to be a part of that. Um, and it was, it definitely was challenging. And I think, uh, but I think like we we did a really good job of like, Despite, you know, in our conference where the, we were, the, like, I think, the only non-scholarship team, like, so it was never about, like, statistical team, like, win, like, like winning the conference, right? It was about, like, just this idea, this intangible idea of doing more, being better, being the best Boston College program, and building something bigger. And it was, it was funny how powerful that sentiment got, right? And people really bought into that. And, you know, maybe when we first started as, like, that, that staff, you know, it was 5% of people and then it just slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And, and, and I think it was, it was really fun to like look back, you know, five or six years later and be like, wow, like it's crazy how that developed. Um, and it was such a fun process and f- a fun
0: ride. Um, so yeah. Doing some of the research for this interview, I went to a dangerous place, the swim swam comments. And, uh, I saw a comment, um, that I want to know if it's true. When you were a swimmer at Boston college, was it, Um, only five practices a week required. Was that how the the system worked?
1: Yeah. So when I, when I was a student athlete and an assistant coach, uh, we ran five, we ran 10 workouts a week, but athletes were only required to go to five and the head coach at the time, that was his philosophy. He wanted, he only wanted them to go to five. So, um, so it was like five, two hour, four, two hour workouts and then like an hour and a half workouts and not a lot of, not a lot of training. Um, and like when I was an athlete, I was used to more. So I, I was doing doubles on my own and getting small groups of people. And um, and, I, and like I think I was able to have success and a lot of people were, right? And I think that kind of encouraged us to start thinking about those things. And so yeah, like when we first took over, that was a big shift because we obviously moved away from that. And so it took time to kind of get it to what it is now in terms of what like we were doing training-wise. But yeah, that, that for a long
0: time, for 45 years, the program was only swimming five days a week. And then when you came in, was that an immediate change that you said, all right, that's out the window. We're now requiring the full 20 hours that division one teams do, or how did you transition from that lower level of expectation into, um, you know, getting them to come more?
1: Yeah. So it's really funny. I hadn't thought a ton about this recently, but it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about it. So that, so I took over actually mid season. I was interim that first, that first stretch. And then I've been the head coach for five full seasons, but that first interim year, I just finished it out with the five practices a week. We had, the team had never really done off-season training prior to that. So that first season, I changed it to, voluntary, to completely voluntary off-season training. And that was just different, right? And then it, just, it was very gradual. So we, we had some pool space limitations, especially in our old facility. So we, we increased it a little bit more the first year, a little bit more the second year. And then we shifted into the new facility. We had more space. And that's when we made our biggest jump. But it was it was all gradual, like kind of year by year, and um to the point where you know these last two seasons, you know, we had some kids in the water nine times a week, some were in the water ten, not many, but you know, some that felt like they needed it. Uh like the full complement of lifting and dry land and all those types of things. But um yeah, it was pretty gradual. And I think you know, we we understood who we were taking over and that, that some of the people signed up for the, the five days a week. So we just said, hey, we're going to do this. We want everyone to stay on the team. We want you to be a part of this. Um, and it was, it was great. I mean, we really got a lot of buy-in pretty early on, and, and we didn't really lose many people
0: that were like, hey, I don't want to try this. Like, so it, it, it worked pretty, pretty naturally. Just I think one more question here, kind of going back to that progression at Boston College, because, again, as a small school coach, it's just really impressive what you're able to do with limitations like no scholarships and whatnot, plus it's a pretty expensive university um looking back at like the decisions that you were making and and transitioning to more practices and obviously making a lot of the right decisions were there any decisions that all young coaches make um as far as wrong decisions that you kind of learned from that you could share with us as a learning experience
1: i'm trying to think of specifics i I remember a couple times being like wow like i am real i was really naive you know what i mean i think like there were you're 26 your first head coaching opportunity you're so enthusiastic. Like, and so, and I think we were, we were pretty understanding, but I always just thought like, Oh, like I'm going to do this with passion. The team cares about me. Like they're going to listen to everything I said, you know what I mean? And, and it didn't happen. Right. Like, you know, it, like, and I, like looking back now as at a 31 year old, I'm like, of course not. Right. Like the, the, you have a group of, when I took over the BC team, there were 90 athletes. Right. And so obviously you're going to have people with all different motivations. And so, and I remember that really hurt me at first. And I was like, all right, you just got to understand that that's the process. Right. And I, and I think um, we adapted and we changed a lot, but I think a lot of those like kind of core tenets of like heart, grit and energy, this idea of building something bigger, wanting to grow it into the best thing we could possibly be, you know, despite our limitations, like that vision was always there. And I think like a lot of my messaging over the five, five, five and a half years stayed the same. Right. And, and I think slowly over time, like more and more people, got kind of on the bus and bought into it. But um, yeah, I think just like a lot of maybe a little bit too naive in terms of like expecting everyone to buy in right away. Cause it that doesn't happen. It, never, it doesn't happen anywhere.
0: Yeah. You might need that reminder again in four months, just because, you know, it is a new culture and a new start. And obviously you've got a ton of credit and credibility, but starting a new culture doesn't matter, right? Like, you know, you've got to kind of re-earn and the, that trust. And I feel like that only, that only can be done over time. I'm also telling you that as much as I'm telling myself and any other coaches who are listening, who need to hear that right now. I think that's a really valuable lesson to learn. Um, Like that being said, and understanding, looking back when you first started there at like buy-in and stuff now, looking forward to your, your new gig at Hawaii, are there things, you know, that you don't know? Um,
1: I'm sure there are I I, I guess Can you is there another way of phrasing that question yeah I'm
0: trying to just like things that you're going in um, having learned those kind of lessons um, and having been at a university for your entire stretch both as an athlete um, as an assistant coach as a head coach who has kind of battled through um, you know some of the obstacles that you've had but they've only been at one place. Um, are there things that you're, you know, kind of preparing yourself for um, because you're, you're expanding outside of that one program that you've been a part of for over a decade?
1: Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think uh, there's a lot, right? I think there's going to be a lot of change. going to be, it's There's going to be growing pains for me. It's going to be growing pains for the team. Um, it's going to be a huge adjustment. And I think, and I'll kind of get to a couple of those. But I think you touched on it perfectly. I think the biggest thing, right. Is like before anything, right. We have to develop a relationship. Right. And I think that's something that like I'm really trying to start doing right now. And I'm not even out in Hawaii yet, but as I kind of transitioning out there, trying to start to build those relationships and phone calls and zooms with the team to really let them get to know me and me get to know them so that we can start to develop trust. And I understand that's just going to be the starting point. And you know, we're not going to not, it's going to take longer for some people and, and, and that that's fine but I think if we can get there a lot of those other challenges that we'll face will be a lot easier to handle. Um, yeah, I, I, think just personally, like, I mean, it's a whole new culture and a community and I think I align really well with it and I'm excited to like integrate myself into that, but it's going to be very different than East coast and Boston and like just, it, it is right. And I think that's something that I'm excited for. And I'm like looking I'm looking forward to, I think that change is gonna be great for me, but, um, there will be growing pains there. And then I think when we look at the the team and you know, it's an opportunity with, you know, some really good scholarship resources that I like, you know, I, I'm confident I will I will be able to do it well, but it, it, it'll take some time to just learn that that game. Right. And I think uh, I'm excited for that challenge. Right. It's something I've kind of wanted for, for many years now um, and working with a little bit bigger staff and those types of things. And um, I've been lucky to have some pretty good volunteers at BC. So I've been able to do that to some extent, but that, that'll be different. Um, and then yeah and this is something that excites me a lot i mean hawaii i mean they've been in contention for their conference championship almost every year you know what i mean the women have won five out of the six last championships um i think the men have won uh like two out of the last three and, and so every year we can be competitive for that so that's it's a little bit different than kind of the, the situation was i was in a bc but i think in a lot of ways that creates just opportunity to get more and more buy-in around kind of what we're doing and um i have to
0: learn how to I need to manage that well, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I was going to have my next question be, you know, what can you realistically accomplish in in your first year? Cause you know, there's all this change taking place. They've obviously gone through a little bit of transition in the last couple of years. What's some realistic goals and expectations for yeah. year one? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's realistic. I mean, just looking at, at the league and it's a good, it's a, it's a really cool league. Like I, I there's great, there's, really good mid-major programs in there and programs, some programs that are really up and coming. And so I think it's competitive and I think that creates a really cool atmosphere where um, there are going to be multiple teams. I think they're in the hunt to win the league, but um, yeah, I think it's realistic. And I think uh, I haven't talked to, to all the synathletes by any means, just a few so far, but I think they really believe that. I think that's an expectation that they want to win the conference every year and or at least being in contention. Right. So, um, and but I, I'm hesitant to start talking about results because I I know that like this first year, if anything, it's got to be building trust and it's got to be developing culture and kind of coming up with this shared vision. And I think if we can do that, that'll become so powerful that it'll, it'll, all that other stuff will take care of itself. But um, yeah, and like there are definitely challenges that Hawaii is going to face that some of the other, you know, big power five programs are not, but in a lot of ways, like I think the ceiling for this program is really high really, really high. And so I think, you know, on a national level, like I think they, like, like yeah, I don't wanna make proclamations, but I think it can, it can achieve at a really, really high level and do some really, really impressive things. So, um, so, yeah, but I think we gotta start start with culture, start with building trust, and then I think those things will start to come
0: at, as we go. What are some of the challenges that you do face there, then, the ones that you kinda of just alluded to that some of the Power Five conferences might have not have to deal with?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think just it's different, right? So I think, you know, just the recruiting, recruiting, right? It's a beautiful place. It's got a great culture, but it might not be for everybody. Right. And so I think, um, and it's far, it's far away. Right. And I think like not every, you know, high school student is ready to make that transition. Right. And so, um, but I think there's, there's value in that in, in the sense that those that are, I think, oftentimes they're going to have a certain type of character about them that I think is going to be the type of people we want to work with, right? So I think they're going to be resilient. They're going to have independence. They're probably going to be outgoing. Um, And I think things that fit with kind of what we hope to have in a lot of our athletes. Um, But I think, you know, recruiting your, I guess your pipeline might be a little bit narrower, but uh, I think it just takes a little bit more time to really look for the right athletes that fit well. But I think there's more than enough high, high level talent that want that opportunity to to go to a great school in, a, in a, one of the most beautiful locations in the world, right, um, and be a part of a program that I think can really grow and continue to
0: elevate and has had success
1: already.
0: Yeah, good stuff. I just got two more fun questions. First one: How do you make swimming fun for your athletes?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, for us, you know, we we try to be pretty creative with our workouts. So we want it to be dynamic. We want them to like understand how it's making them better for their specific stroke and events and really understanding the why Um, and then making it competitive. Right. So like we are, we like to go fast in practice. We like to compete within workout. We like to, uh, you know, play music, you know, get pretty hyped up on the pool deck. Um, And then like, like we don't take ourselves that seriously. I mean, at times we do, at times we don't. Right. But I think we're pretty goofy. We'll joke around with our athletes. Um, I think some of my BC swimmers will tell you that I'll, sometimes I'll do some stuff and they'll be like, what is this guy doing? Right. And and I think, um, but I think trying to get them to laugh, trying to have a good time and just, you know, again, being enthusiastic about what what we're doing. So um, it's a hard sport, right? And I think, you know, if swimming kept going the way of the past, where it was just grind yardage, put your face in the water and and, and do some cardio, you know, we lose a lot of people. And I I love that it's shifted to what it is now, where there's, a combination of that hard work and that volume, but also the opportunity to do some really good, you know, event specific training, making that competitive and fun and exciting. And so I think um, doing that and then making it team first, right, is is I think a huge thing, right? And so um, I wanna recruit people that wanna maximize their potential, that's really important to me, but that they're almost, they become more concerned with how that, you know, individual success affects the program. And like, they really get, A lot out of a lot of value out of like the impact they're making on the on the whole if that makes
0: sense yeah just because i know that the viewers love it when we dive into details what's a fun race specific set that you really felt like the kids enjoyed um because i'd hate to get out of this interview without hearing one of those specific sets that everybody loves to hear about well
1: everyone likes to do power racks right so um i got we, we we do a a little kick progression all throughout the season underwater kick pr- progression on the power racks. It's actually really challenging and it starts off with a lot of kicks on short rest and you know throughout the year we you know we increase the rest, drop the reps and it, I think it really helps build great underwater power. Um, and we'll do that and then we'll do some stuff off the racks where either there's something with socks or there's something with parachutes or something with fins and just really high level bursts. Um, and so you know a lot of times that's our our, our our sprint our sprint group and then some of our like short middle distance kids um but everyone wants to do it right some of those you know four i two flyers like hey mike when am i getting on the racks and say ah well you know we got to get some some volume in for you but um i think a lot of people like that and you know you know people like Braden holloway and todd sorbo i think they really made that more common and and some of that stuff you know i gleaned from them over the years of kind of sharing the deck and um i can't say that's
0: like Completely my idea, but it's something that it's, it's really been a staple for us the last couple of years. Yeah. I think everybody kind of takes ideas and, and kind of makes them their own in, in their own way, but I definitely think it's great to give credit in those possible situations. Now, last question, and uh, it's definitely a fun one. And this I think is important for coaches because obviously you're a grinder. You definitely just said, even yourself, that you probably do more hours as a coach than you did as a financial analyst, but. When it's time to have fun, what do you like to do for fun? What are your ways to kind of unplug from coaching and, and be able to to have some fun?
1: Yeah, I um I've tried to be a lot better about this this year more than ever because I, I have historically not not been very good. So um, I'm 31 and I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I just took up golf. Um, but I got the itch. It was like uh, something where this spring, like I tried to tried to take advantage of that as much as I could. And I'm still pretty terrible, but, um, it's been a fun new hobby. Um, but I like being outside, you know what I mean? Especially in Boston when it's so cold It like when that spring rolls around, it's so nice to be outside. Um, you know, I'll longboard skateboard, things like that. Um, I've surfed a little bit, but I, I'm excited about the opportunity to, to do that in Hawaii and to get better and, uh, improve those skills. So, um, yeah, I think I love being outside. So that's another thing that's going to be exciting about this
0: this move. Yeah, a lot more opportunity for that for sure. Well, Mike, I really appreciate the chance to uh, get to know you a little bit better. And um, I will say, you know, like we knew each other just because um, you did something that not a lot of college coaches do, um, and all college coaches should do more. And that's calling a club coach to check in on on what works with a swimmer that they're recruiting or that they have recruited as a freshman. So um, I really kind of knew that you were a pretty good. Coach, when I got to know you through that um, interaction and then this one really kind of confirmed that and, and helped me get to know you a little bit better. So I, I appreciate the time. I'm really excited for you because it seems like a great position for you and I think that they're lucky to have you out there at Hawaii. So thank you and, uh, and best of luck. Yeah, well,
1: thanks Garrett. I really appreciate you having me and, and yeah, ditto. Thanks for always having those, being open to those conversations. Uh, it's been really great to get to know you too.